You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Now, the threatened second half of the Digital Noise episode with Aaron continues. That's okay. This is going to be the good one. These movies are good, though. Oh, well, I mean, let's not get carried away. <laughs> okay, they're okay. We've they're got some okay movies that are not great to talk about here, too. But we've got some good stuff. We've got one that we're just going to get all super goopy about. Yeah, yeah. Like, we... It, it's going to be gross, guys. Yeah, it really will. I mean, grosser than Aaron is right now with the snot running down his face and you know, like I, the, the viral thing. You know, you know? The, the, there's the pus coming out of the top of my head and yeah. I have the open sore in my Literally, arm. Literally, you've got like when you look closely at his eyes, you can see little black things swimming through them yeah. and stuff, you know. He's got like those black veins growing up his arms and shit. It's really gross. I think he's going to be okay though, folks. Don't I'll be worry. fine. I'll be fine. It'll be fine. I, I, I'm going to pull through. Are, are you? I, I, I'm going to stop and get some Benadryl and Tylenol on the way home. All right, fair enough. Uh, but we talked about in our our first half of our show the movie A Man of a Thousand Faces, Killer Nun, Devil's Revenge, featuring William Shatner, The Drone, Candy Corn, and Harpoon. This time, we've got, admittedly, even at the worst, at least films that are well-produced. <laughs> I, I, I think... No, I was about to say the worst movie here is still almost as good as the best movie last episode, but no, that's not true at all. I don't know. Uh, they're well made, at least. Well, so the first one we're talking about is The Dead Center, and this was released by Arrow in one of the, honestly, few Arrow releases that is a, a unique to Arrow brand new release, because they tend to do re-releases more than anything else, uh, and this is one that this is the first release of this, uh, of this recent horror film. Starring um, the, one of the leads, uh, Shane Carruth, who is best known as being the guy who, uh, I believe, directed, yeah, he directed Primer, Primer and, and Upstream Color. Upstream Color, but here he's acting. Yeah, I know. I, I got really excited when I looked this movie up because I saw his name. I was like, oh, cool. This is going to be trippy. And we, oh, he's acting. In it. Well, when we meet him, he's <laughs> a John Doe, a suicide victim. He's been delivered to a hospital morgue. He's tagged. He's put into a, a, a cabinet, and then he comes to life, gets himself out, wanders to the hospital, and passes out in a regular bed. Um, and this is the beginning of this film, where you're like, what the fuck is actually going on? And I apologize, that's not him playing that role. It's Thank Jeremy Childs. He plays Childs. the doctor, right? Yeah, yeah, he plays the doctor, Jeremy Childs. So, when who is a super creepy-looking motherfucker, for the record. Yeah, yeah, the the... the the patient is, he has a really good face for this, and he does a great job being menacing. He would make a great Jason. He's terrific casting. I'll yeah. say that. Not out-of-the-park casting for this role. When uh, the doctor, Shane Carruth, his psychiatrist, starts seeing he's there, he's totally catatonic. And then slowly is becoming slightly more verbal, even though he can't remember anything that happened to him. So... But the main tack of this film is, in fact, uh, uh, about uh, John's backstory, uh, 
about the hospital's medical examiner, Bill uh, Fahili, uh, who is very unclear that this guy who was in the morgue has stumbled into another part of the hospital and is trying to figure out what happened to the missing body from the morgue. It gets into the story of Shane Carew's character, who apparently is one of those guys who just wants to do the right thing despite what the rules say for the hospital. And he has sort of a appears on again, off again, romantic, but contentious relationship with the hospital's administrator. This movie is very, one of the good things I'll say about this is it's very pointed about, it is trying to talk about the problems in our modern American medical uh, environment. Very clear. You know, like people are treated like numbers. They don't care about them. It's, it's about uh, minimizing work and maximizing profit. That is what hospitals are for in this movie, which I respected that about this movie. I will admit this movie seemingly did not make a great impression on me because I watched this two days ago and I legitimately cannot remember much about it now. Look, I don't totally disagree with you. I think that this movie is very helped by a great sound design that's almost psychedelic. Uh, as especially the the John Doe character is being haunted by things he doesn't know what they are. And, and it's it's pretty well shot. Like, there's some, a few really gorgeous shots in the movie. Uh, like, it's it's starting to get a little bit more interesting for me as you start to unwrap a little bit of what's going on with John Doe and the movie starts to get viral or supernaturally based, which again, I'm, I'm having trouble. Yeah. It starts but... turning into kind of a possession film. Yeah. And I feel like that's where it a little bit lost its way because it felt like this was setting up to something more interesting than just a possession film. Like it's threatening to be something much more interesting and intellectual because it's making a lot. I mean, it's got an excellent script. It has pretensions towards being a very smart type movie. Like you'd expect (laughs) Shane Carruth to be uh, uh, associated with me. You've seen uh, primer. It's like, Jesus, this is like, you have to take notes as you're watching it to follow it. It tracks. Yeah. But ultimately it's just kind of a possession beginning of the end of the world movie. Now all that plays out into a really brutal fucking ending that I was not, would not have expected at all of like a series of multiple murders that are like just horrific. I think you hit the nail on the head with the film's biggest problem is that it's two different movies mashed together. The, the third movie is this, somewhat gory but very bloody violent uh possession demonic kind of movie and then the first half is a little bit more of a cerebral is it real or is it not right session nine-esque movie yeah and i think if they had committed to either one of those two it would have been good because the first one was interesting but it ultimately kind of doesn't really do pay off or doesn't amount to anything and then the third act, it's cool, but we needed more of that interspersed throughout, so it kept us interesting and having fun with the violence. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It, it does feel like <coughs> two very different films that are that are integrated in a way that never feel completely comfortable. I mean, hats off to uh, John Doe here, who uh, Jeremy Childs, who is just nailing this type of part uh like i mean he is a scary looking guy to begin with and that 
feeling that at some points he is just a babe lost in the woods who's t- scared and doesn't know what's happening, and at other points he is evil incarnate. That works. Yeah. It really does. But all the stuff that kind of goes nowhere with its social commentary and everything, where it's like, it's making, it's setting up for a much more interesting story than it ends up delivering. You know, like, honestly, this is one of those movies that, kind of like you were saying with Harpoon, I end up feeling like, I would like to see other movies this guy makes. Yeah. I, this feels like a early film by somebody who has some talent, but doesn't have a really good grasp on narrative control or how to throw some fun into a serious film. And if we watch this guy or lady develop, I think they could guy, be Billy guy. Sinise. I figured I didn't want to assume though, but, uh, they like, they could grow into somebody who could make some really good movies. No, I agree. And this is only his second feature film. The first was a movie I've not seen called closer to God. So strangely, I'd like to see him make something that was less, um, ambitious. And a little more straightforward, yeah, straightforward Agreed. or small in its location, uh, like it would really work well. It's when it's at its most straightforward. When it's at its most, where horror film it actually works quite well. Yeah, it's when it tries to be surround that with something more that it just feels ineffectual. Which, which I hate to say that because. I always would prefer a movie to have yeah. a stance Agreed. than to not. Agreed. It's even if I don't agree with it, it's still more interesting. It just doesn't fuse. Yeah. Uh there are multiple bonus features here. Two commentaries, a director and cast commentary, a director and crew commentary. There's a thirty eight and a half minute a walk through the dead center, which is a making of documentary. There is a seven six and a half minutes of deleted and alternate scenes. There's uh Three cast interviews, two with Shane Carruth, one with uh, the the hospital administrator Porna Jagannathan. Doing my best. Don't, don't look at She's me. A, I don't know. She is an Indian woman. I am. I I I fail at pronouncing. And she did a decent job. Too, she did for a character who's ultimately pretty thankless. There's a, a one and a half minute head casting with Jeremy Childs, where there's a thing where there's a prop head for him. There's two short films by the same director, Intruder and the Suicide Tapes. There's several radio plays, a midnight radio theater. I have no idea how these are related to this film, but there's a bunch of them on here. And then trailers, teasers, and image galleries in an insert booklet. I mean, I think this is well worth watching, but I think it's going to be looked at as like an interesting early film by a director who's probably got more interesting stuff ahead of him. Agreed. Uh, Next up, we have Angel of Mine. (sighs) I, you know, despite the really great cast here, Numi Rapace, Luke Evans, Yvonne Strahovski, and Richard Roxburgh, and this being a remake of a very well-received 2008 French film, Mark of an Angel, this movie doesn't do absolutely anything you're not expecting it to, except for a kind of twist ending that is like, really? Yeah, it, agreed. <laughs> that surprised me, but it also, it kind of, it it made the movie silly for me. Okay, well, what's like, the plot? So uh, Your turn. So, Nomi Rapace, who, as I was watching this movie, I started to question whether or not I've actually enjoyed her in anything besides 
Um, I'm sure you the girl have. with the dragon tattoos. I've got There's got to be something, right? <clears throat> like I, I, I don't think she's a bad actress. I just can't think of anything that I liked her. I did like her girl in the, with the dragon tattoos. I did too. Yeah. I mean, but, we're talking about the Swedish film adaptation yes. version, of course. So she is a woman who is in the midst of a divorce. Uh, she clearly so she has lost a child previously in an incident a relatively famous incident we come to find out and is dealing with it poorly and has chased her husband away and luke evans being luke evans who it's weird watching him in a dramatic role i'm used to seeing him in violent movies so he does do this was a stretch for him and he does decent in it yeah Um, were the movies setting you up to think he's the asshole yeah uh, and then her son, who she's kind of ignoring. And so she's basically locked in this trauma loop where she's dealing with the depression over the loss of her child. And in the movie, at the beginning, she sees this other mother at an event that I can't remember, honestly, and sees her daughter. Yeah. This and, is y- y- Yvonne Strahovski, who people know probably best from the show Chuck. Yeah. And probably from Handmaiden now. Isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She's in the Handmaiden. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so... The daughter instantly to her looks like her daughter, but she knows that that's crazy and she, uh, not, not right away thinks that, oh, that's my daughter, but still relatively early on. And so she starts to stalk this woman and integrate herself into her life so she can, learn more about this girl and have a relationship with her. Uh, And before long, she starts doing really crazy shit. Like just to establish 15 minutes in, she's already breaking into their home to watch them. Look, you, you have to believe this movie wants you to believe from the get go that she's not hallucinating. Yeah. There's none of that. But she is a sympathetic character because she's just so deeply traumatized and has not been able to continue her life. Death of a child, I can't even imagine, right, like what that would do to you. But that honestly is coming to believe that not through supernatural means, through a either a mix-up or conspiracy that this daughter, this girl, is her real daughter and that there is... Like to some degree, the the parents of the child must be aware of this and are hiding this from yeah, her. Yeah, and, and like it just got so intense so fast. Like the very first thing she does is break into their home to watch the girl. Yeah, and and it it was really tense for me and really uncomfortable because well, here of that. we go back into Papa Bear territory. No, 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 not even that. It was just, I no, I love it when we get to Papa I, Bear. Territory. I felt for her character a lot. And so it was, yeah, they never sell her as like single white female type no. stalker. She is, appears to be crazy, but crazy in a way that you feel nothing but sad for her. Yeah, and the movie, she descends more and more into her madness Everyone in her life is basically going, bitch, you need help. Uh, And she is just like, no, this is my daughter. You are all crazy. Uh, Yeah, everybody's crazy but me. Like, including our own parents who are like trying to set up like, like anything they can do to help her realizing she's gone so far off the reservation. Like 
oh my god, this is obviously that's not your daughter. You know what this movie? So I I, I did not ultimately really like this movie. Uh, it got too silly for me, and like the thing she was doing was so outlandish, so fast. This movie ended up making. I spent half of it going, you know what? I'm going to think of this as a uh, origin story for a female Joker. <laughs> this is somebody slowly descending into madness, and, and I buy this. And like, I started having a little bit more fun with it at that point. But this is—I I don't see the point of it. It's never quite intense enough for it to be a thriller. It's never, it's too intense for it to be really a movie about her dealing with emotional pain and her trauma. So it it never settles on what it wants to be. Knowing that this is adapted from a French film, I I imagine that is probably a significantly better movie because the French pull off this kind of stuff pretty well uh, as a whole. I mean, let me be clear. Everything we've said about it so far uh, indicates this feels kind of, by the numbers crazy stalker film which it's and not. this movie takes a really unexpected twist at the end that it never manages to own or sell well, and there's like 20 minutes after that yeah like, and it's, it keeps it's not going in yeah it's like okay here's a twist and we are committing to this yeah and i i will admit that that part the the twist itself, I laughed out loud. It was just so silly like, and dumb. Really? But I respected the fact that they committed to it. However, it, I'm trying to dance around this because I don't want to completely spoil things. Right. But but no, way, please dance around it. The, the way they kind of show things happen is it's very much a well, things are okay now, sort of. And I, it just it made me so angry because that's not how trauma works. You know, like, just, you don't magically become kind of okay. Like, that shit stays with you forever. This is a, not a horror film. It's not a thriller. It's a psychological drama that is inches away from being a Lifetime movie of the week. Yeah. Quite frankly. With really good performances. I'm not going to take that away. It's very well shot. But, I, I mean, there's that thing where, like, like, it feels just so calculated to turn on its head to some degree everything you expect to happen with the twist with something else that it just kind of feels, I don't know, banal. And yeah. in the movie has nothing thrilling that happens anywhere in it. Like the sequences we're talking about where she's like stalking her or breaking into her house. None of it is exciting. It's just dull. Quite yeah. frankly, it's still, it's you know, re- you hit the nail on the head that this is interest away from a life. This is a lifetime movie with a great cast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, well, everything, thrill, thrill. everything well acted, well directed. I'm not going to go so far as say well written, but like, no, there's nothing here that I can recommend. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have a film that I think is also bad, but much more entertaining is Night Hunter. I mean, it's a bad movie, but. It's got a great cast. It's fucking goofy and wacky as shit. It delivers on like, oh shit actually happens. You know what? This was this was inches away from being a good movie to me. I, I feel like so, inches is a bit far. Okay. This is close. This is next door. This is next door to a good movie. I, I think it's got a lot of the right ideas, but it does not have the delivery. So, so what, what the movie is about is... It follows two groups of people. It follows the police 
who was played by Henry Cavill and Alex Alexandria. Oh, say Stuart Copeland and Sting. Uh, what? The police? Oh, okay. okay. You're old. Damn it. <laughs> Everyone should love the police regardless um, of age. But uh, for those who don't know, Chris is talking about a band. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> so Henry Cavill and Alexandra. Is it Alexandra or Alexandria? Alexandra Daddario. Okay, Alexandra One of Daddario. the most beautiful women working yes. in Hollywood today. Uh, so he is a police officer. She is a therapist who works with the police office. So they basically, they hunt pedophiles. Uh, that is their racket. She works in the cyber division. He is the guy who actually goes out there and catches them. And then on the flip side is... Ben Kingsley. Thank you. I just blanked out his name. Yeah. Who is a retired judge and his ward, who is a 16-year-old girl. Eliana Jones. And so basically, Ben Kingsley and this girl, they, uh, Eliana Jones, they get uh, pedophiles on the hook and she goes out and gets them in a compromising position and Ben Kingsley knocks them out, drugs them. Chemically castrates them. <laughs> castrates them for real. Well, I thought it was chemical ca- no, castration. No, he removes their balls. Oh, does he? I thought it was he chemical. He said the words, removed them. Okay. Um, and then gives all their money to their victims. So he is a vigilante who targets pedophiles, very much like vigilante in the movie was targeting abusive husbands. So very quickly on, very, very, very early on, they meet the villain of the movie who is... Chris, please tell me a name because I don't know it. Uh, it is uh, Brendan Fletcher. Who Brendan Fletcher. Appeared, you'll, you'll know him. Yeah. He's one of those actors who has appeared in a lot of films, usually as like a criminal or a drug he, he addict. He was in Freddy vs. Jason. And he the was, Revenant he was he in. He was the brother in Smallville. Um, a sitcom a while back. He's too. been in Smallville. He played Stanley Dover in the Arrowverse. Uh, Siren, Hell on Wheels. He's one of those actors who's been in so much yeah. shit. You're like, oh, I've seen that So guy. basically the police and Ben Kingsley and his group, they come together when they both kind of catch this guy at the same time. Uh, they throw him in jail. And start looking into his place. And he is mentally challenged. Like, very much so. Uh, Where he's a child. Yeah, he he basically has the the mental acuity of a four-year, five-year-old. And so, they start digging through his home and interviewing him. And then, in the midst of all this, like, I think they said 16 cops who were in his big, crazy warehouse tunnel home suddenly some trap goes off and gas comes out and they all die and they're like fuck you what's going on and they start to believe that maybe he's got an accomplice well it basically they find out he's things are more intense than they thought they find a lot of bodies and it becomes this uh really tense game of time when somebody else is kidnapped and it's a movie where they're talking to the serial killer, trying to find out where the last victim is while he's making them play games. Yeah. That's the last half of this movie. And it ended up feeling a lot like someone had an idea for an equivalent to seven, but they just didn't know how to really tie everything together. Well, it's not just that. It's I mean, a, I agree with you completely well, that it def, I, definitely deeply influenced by well, movies like I'm Seven. Not, that's 
that's not my biggest issue. I, I have one big issue with this movie that I have to get out. Uh, I think the villain of the movie is horrendously miscast. Really? I like. I, I respect him as an actor. I do not think he is a bad actor. I think that the way he played this character and, and like just the whole idea of the villain, it did not work for me. I okay. never felt he was threatening. I never bought that he was at all this dangerous person to a point that I spent two thirds of the movie waiting for them to find out that he was a victim well, the, and, and they had accidentally like grabbed him and just assumed he was okay, the killer. So I would, I would argue that was the point. The, to question he, whether or not, I mean, I, I think actively the movie is like to question this guy couldn't possibly be the bad guy. Yeah, but when, when he becomes the bad guy, I didn't buy that either. Like, like I just never bought his character. Uh, okay. I, I, I don't disagree with you entirely. I just don't have a problem with the part of the movie trying to make you feel like oh. that. I think the intention is to make the characters go, how could this guy possibly oh. have done all these things? Let me clarify. I don't think that I, that's not the part I have an issue with. It's how he portrayed the, I'm not, I'm trying to think of the proper term. It's how he portrayed his mental deficiency. Okay. Like, like that I didn't vibe with. Okay. Uh, it felt weird. And then I never bought him after that as you found out more about him. My problem with this film is the direction. I think that it's scattered. I think it's all over the place. I think it has no idea how to tie one scene to the next scene in any sort of organic feeling. It's it's a really decent like story, I should say, rather than script. I think it's a cool idea that could have been with the right director. A pretty amazing fucking oh, movie. Yeah, they give this to, like, Fincher. This would have been an amazing film. Oh, if Fincher had had this, this would have been a like, fucking, like, so, Somebody who, who has a deft hand and has the confidence to make this more stylish. It's a real shame because there's more than enough here in the story to be where, yeah, this could have been a truly great film. I remember seeing the trailer for this going, Me like, too. wow, this looks really fucking yeah. cool. And the problem is it, do- it never looks cool it's not it's not a well-directed film it's bland it's the things don't connect into each other the twists they don't sell you on them the acting is all very good you've even got stanley tucci uh minka kelly nathan fillion play supporting roles in this nathan fillion plays the ultimate thankless role yeah he does he does nothing in the movie it's like what what he did after slither yeah (laughs) did not work out um, well this is the first time I've ever not liked Alexandria Daddario in a movie. Like, I think oh. she's a good actress. I've seen her in other stuff that's terrible. I've seen bad movies with her in them, and I've enjoyed her in them. Like, I like her in Baywatch. I don't like Baywatch, but I like her in Baywatch. Come on. That's because uh, she's wearing a bathing suit. That might be. Film. But, like, I, this is the first time I've ever gone, oh, like, I don't think your performance is good. And this comes right off of seeing her in this great little indie horror movie at Fantastic Fest. So it's just maybe this director just didn't know how to really make her pull in a good performance. It's it's a shame. I mean, I don't think she's anyone's bad in this film myself. I, I just, this is a bunch of great ideas, some solid casting that is marred <laughs> by a director who is like a television director. Yep. And I don't even mean like a good, like a TNT director level. It's just, 
never evolves into anything super interesting. He There's a huge twist at the end that, honestly, he doesn't know enough as a director to keep you from figuring out on your own. Yep. Like, that's the biggest problem. There's no way you're not going to see that coming. And it should be a huge, like, head-in-the-box-style shock. And it's just like, yeah, of course. Great idea, failed in the execution. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's, this film's more annoying than not because of it could have been so good. And it's just not. And it's a real shame, especially with all the talent. I know. I feel bad for the actors because you know that because so much of the issue is with the way it was shot and edited, you know that like they went into this being like, fuck yeah, man, this is going to be awesome. Well, also weird. The one of the weirdest points here is that so Ben Kingsley. I don't care if he was a judge, vigilante cutting people's balls off, and then they're like, "Yeah, we just proved unquestionably. We know for sure that you've done this for like maybe dozens of like child molesters, and we caught you red-handed trying to do it. Go have fun. You want to work on this case with us?" <laughs> I was like, "What?" What is that? There's never a moment they're like, like, we'll make a deal or any sort of scene like that. Like, yeah. we need your expertise. Like, <laughs> I was, it was just baffling. The, the, I'm sorry. The guy who put this together needs to take a break from working on film because he ruined a otherwise really solid yeah. like thing. Let's talk about our... Um, you know, it's not going to be the pick of the week. I'm not going to do it. You didn't see the other the pick of the week. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you know what that is then. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, you got it. Am I wrong? No. Okay. But it would have been otherwise, despite the fact, no was, new extras. I say, this is a really entertaining preamble. <laughs> not not even a really like solid new steel box for this re-release, but it's just such a goddamn great movie that it's always a pleasure to go back and rewatch Galaxy Quest. Yes, Galaxy Quest. This is unquestionably the best movie of this entire set, and there is no reason to buy this. Look. Because if you like it, you own it, and the steel box isn't that. This is a cheapy, quick re-release of the previous Blu-ray, which is exactly the previous Blu-ray that they put out. Uh, last time this came out, just in a just okay steel box they put out. All right. If you don't already own it, I suppose this is better than the previous version just because it comes in a metal box. Other than that, exactly the same version. I think the only reason this is coming out now is to grab some extra dollars because there's a feature film documentary about Galaxy Quest about to come out. And I suspect there'll be a re-release with that on it. <laughs> Coming out soon in some sort of hyper awesome version. I will say this. Um, if you have not seen this movie and you in any way enjoy Star Trek, science fiction, or comedy. You fail. And can handle science fiction. You fail. No, you, shut up. No, you fail. You need to Kill watch yourself. this movie. It, it is phenomenal. You should die. It's top. Take your own life. It's top four Star Trek movies ever really made. Should, there's no reason for you to be alive. Just just. Top top three, top four, four Star Trek movies ever made. Oh, I thought we were still talking about people killing themselves. No, no, no. I'm, I'm actually trying to be beneficial. And oh, sorry, people. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe, I can't remember what the number was. I want to say it was number two when they pulled members of StarTrek.com of what were the greatest Star Trek movies ever made. And the write-in vote for this 
brought it all the way to the very top. It was, I think Wrath of Khan was still number one, but like this was right at the very top of like best Star Trek movies. And it's not a Star Trek movie. It wasn't on the list. They wrote it in and the fans were like, we all know this is a Star Trek movie. It's number four in my personal number four ranking. in your ranking. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it's kind of amazing. It's weird. When I saw this at, at first, I remember being annoyed by it. And like, I couldn't get over it because I was like, why isn't this a Star Trek movie? Why didn't they make this with the Star Trek cast? And that was pissing me off so bad right off the bat that I had trouble enjoying it. Paramount's dumb. I had to go back and, and, and revisit it to appreciate it for how good it really is. Even though you have to watch this as, yes, just picture this is the Star Trek cast instead of the cast that it is, I'm who not, are great. I'm, I'm not going to shit on the cast. Like, like, legitimately... I saw this in high school uh, when I had watched some Star Trek. It's like not four years ago. Fuck off, man. I wish. <laughs> like 20. You're so young. Uh, it was 20 years ago. Oh, you're no um, And even then, I love this movie. This yeah. is a great film. Oh, man. This is worth it. This is one of the best science fiction films ever made. I adore it. It's hilarious. It's well acted. Certainly one of the best sci-fi comedies ever they, made. It has my favorites. Um, Actually... I think I could openly say best sci-fi comedy. I mean, like there there are other no, no, Men in Black. You're right. You got it. You got it. Uh, it's the best. But um, this is I can't think of another one that really is better than this. I don't think this is the best Sam Rockwell performance, but it is unquestionably my favorite Sam Rockwell. It's his performance. funniest performance. And it has um Sigourney. Monk. Who's Monk? Uh, I'm trying to think of the Tony name. Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub, who basically yeah. ate some pot brownies right before he shot this movie and is stoned out of his mind the entire movie. They even make fun of him for it. Oh man, he's so great here. <laughs> he's just like his whole thing. He's just like nothing phases like, him. Sorry, tell the, the basic of the plot. You don't have to go into detail. Just okay, give so, me the outline. So basically, the everybody's cat- seen this movie, or if you haven't, you know what I said. God damn. Uh, so the cast <laughs> of Star Trek hates their lives because they are now semi-wash-up actors who are stuck going to cons in the same role every time, and they hate themselves. Um, Tim Allen plays Kirk, and he takes a gig to put an appearance, just something that all the others hate him for because he doesn't hire them to. Lo and behold, it ends up that it is a real spaceship, and it's aliens who have watched all of Galaxy Quest and thought that they were a documentary and they recreated the ship for real, a workable ship and have gone and brought him up to fight their nemesis who I want to say is Scarif, but that's wrong. Uh, who is, so he fucks shit up royally. Saris. Oh, it was pretty close. Saris. He played fucks by, shit up by, royally. Uh, by Robin Sachs, who was in a lot of shit, and, but better known for his voiceover work in video games. Yeah. He convinces the rest of the cast to come join him. They proceed to break stuff even more and then have to come together and become the actual crew of the ship and save the day. Yeah, they have to become the the people that their fans wanted them to be. Because since the ship was designed and built and 
it was everything follows the processes they use in the shows. They have to relearn how to be those characters. The effects work were done by Stan Winston. It They're is terrific. Ter- it is just beautiful. The Damn ships. Man, I'm gonna have to rewatch this again after you leave. Did you not watch it? No, I did. I'm okay. gonna watch it again. The, the ships are practical. It, it is. It is beautiful. This is an amazing film. I don't care who you are. Watch this movie. It's okay. So there's no question that if you're a big Trek fan, this is going to not just like you'll like it better than other people, but you will put this on your I watch this once a year list. It is. I mean, the doc I I was telling Aaron earlier uh, off mic, there's a doc that documentary coming out and there's a scene where Brent Spiner just says, why didn't we make this? And sure enough, it was they Paramount was approached to do it with the Trek cast or one of the Trek casts. Can you imagine how different a turn the world of Trek would have taken if they had done this with these actors and the amount of goodwill that would have flowed towards them if they had done this? Because this is this self-parodying but deeply loving tribute to both the show and, and this is what's important... <laughs> the passion of the fan base for the show. Yep. Because it is very much about how the beauty of what made that experience what it is because of the love of it, the fans. And it does a good job. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're talking way too much about this movie, even though it's amazing. No, no. Um, that's like, what we're like here for. The, the It does a good job of, in the beginning. <sighs> Fandom is a joke. They make fun of fandom in the very beginning, which is on purpose because it's very much from the point of view of the actors who hate that this is what they've been reduced to. Well, yeah, to. they have to go Whereas, to like all these uh, all these cons. They're, they're getting paid very little for it. They're stuck in these. They'd rather go out and do Shakespeare in the yeah. Park or something, but they're stuck so, in this. And worst off, Tim Allen, who is the Shatner analog, is taking all of the spotlight that he can. Yeah, and and like by the time you get to the end, like it's the fans who save the world. It's it, it becomes a love letter to the fans. And the one thing I want to call it before we're done, Sigourney Weaver is in this movie. She plays a character whose Gwen DeMarco. sole job was to repeat what the computer says. <laughs> and just it may be the funniest Sigourney Weaver has ever been. It uh, is amazing. And she then, is hilarious. I, but one of my favorite, I mean, our, our, so my favorite character in this is Tony Shalhoub, who is just, I love really? that. Not Sam Rockwell? No, no, no. T- Tony Shalhoub kills me in this movie. <laughs> who's totally just a stoner. Who's just like, I guess he's kind of like, he's he's the uh, Scotty role. Yeah. But not with the accent. Who's clearly just gone into, I don't even give a fuck anymore, man. <laughs> And it's just all this happening. And he's like, that's cool. See, I, I, And it's weird for that guy who's an older guy who's not really playing it. Like, he's not playing it like Matthew McConaughey. He's just kind of like shell-shocked, but in a I've relaxed into it type of thing that sells it like crazy. And in fact, is the guy who has a romance with one of the characters, <laughs> real aliens played by Missy Pyle that is... Believe it or not, kind of sweet and romantic. Oh, it is. But uh, Alan Rickman playing the Spock analog here, who's kind of a cross between Spock and Worf, you know? Yeah, yeah, because he, he's very much the medical officer. He's the science but officer. But he comes from this very hard, warlike race, it seems. He's, like, so amazing in this. He has this great speech where he's just fucking screaming at Tim Allen about the whole, like, <laughs> the, the bullshit of all while his, like, his latex effects <laughs> Basque is coming off that's like 
just so iconic. I don't even. See, have it's I, I, I'm going to go back to it. It's Sam Rockwell as the audience avatar, Guy Fleekman, Guy Fleekman, who is crewman number three in the show. He was a red shirt, and he's the one who, like, when they land on a planet and the doors open, he, what the hell? Is there air? Did we look? And I don't know. Daryl Mitchell, uh, who played uh, Lieutenant Laredo, who was the Will Wheaton of the show, yeah. basically, he's like an eight year old kid. Yeah, like, and now he's all grown up and is like kind of stressed out over the whole thing but this is an amazing fucking movie quite yeah. frankly and if you don't already own a copy of galaxy quest which come on you already know how i feel about that um then you this is i suppose the best one to pick up it's just the same shit that was there before which is a huge amount of bonus features quite frankly this is like a blu-ray oh, yeah. that does not fail with delivering like, I mean, by Grabthar's hammer, this is a, a solid God selection of, like, bonus features. It's the same shit from the previous one, but a lot of deleted scenes that are worth watching. Uh, a Galactopedia that goes, like, like it would on Star StarTrek.com with, like, topics, like, detailing every single thing they bring up here. This is kind of a perfect sci-fi comedy. And if you haven't already seen it, if you don't already own it, fuck it, man. Why aren't you doing it? Yeah. Yeah. But it's not our pick of our week because... I got to see something they sent to me. They did the, like, I, it was like very sort of pressing with time and I didn't get to pass it on to Aaron. Yeah, I know. And look at me. You see, I'm I, giving you I'm not eyes. looking at you. I'm not looking I, at you. I, I hate you. For I'm that. not looking at you. Oh shit. I'm looking at you. I'm, <laughs> oh God. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at the light ray. <laughs> Damn. That was sexy. Uh, Batman beyond the complete <laughs> series on Blu-ray. So excited to get this. All right. So true story. Uh, years ago in the, uh, I think it may have been the real deal days, but it, it probably went to spill. I got from Martin Thomas, uh, my old co-host played Leon on spill, uh, for Christmas one year, the Batman beyond DVD set. And he was so like, I mean, that was like, a wait, how do you not watch this until then? No, 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 no. It's irrelevant. But okay. like, uh, I, like he was a big fan of all this the the Paul Denny entertainment animated entertainment so it had just come out it was like a hundred some bucks and I bought it for him for Christmas because I love that man he's terrific and he was so thrilled and he was just like oh my god and part of me was like not letting go of it as he was taking it away like I was like he's like hey what are you doing hey hey let go let go uh, it's like fuck someday they'll re-release it well that day has come and now fuck you Martin I've got the Blu-ray copy edition I actually. I watched this as a kid, as it came out originally, week to week. But, but did you like it? I, I, I love I, this. <laughs> Sorry. Look. So uh, I, I had a brain fart. So yeah, I, I've always liked the Paul Dini uh, DC animated universe. I have them all on my uh, home server, just waiting for when my son and daughter are old enough that they can watch that kind of a show. I'd still but, say Justice League Unlimited is the high point of all of it, but I would agree. it's all great. I would agree. It's all great. So Batman Beyond, it it's the... <clears throat> It's the Batman of the next generation. Yeah. Basically. It, it takes place 30 or 40 years, 30 years. after yeah. the proper Batman when... Batman the Animated Series. Basically in the Blade Runner universe. And Batman is an old guy who had a heart attack and can't be Batman anymore. And Still voiced by Conroy. And so he basically 
brings on a wayward youth like he does, but instead of making him Robin, he gives him this super advanced, awesome Batman suit and a flying car and lets him be Batman. One important thing I want to call out because the fans will get upset with me. Uh, It is not the heart attack that actually makes him stop. It is that... He has a heart attack and he has to pull a gun on somebody. Yeah, there's and a that great is the defining moment, moment in the first where he realizes he's about to lose to a fucking flunky. Like, and he picks up a gun and shakily holds it on him. And the guy's like, no, 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 and runs off and he drops it and he says, that was the last time. Yeah. Like, he realizes, like, if he came to that point that he was willing to use a gun. Looking at you, DC live action films that never <laughs> understood this, then it's over. So yeah, thirty or whatever years later, yeah. he's old as fuck, and uh, Terry McGinnis, played by Will, uh, voiced by Will Friedley, um, is kind of a badass high school kid. He, he is your prototypical rebel youth. Yeah, but he's also kind of a badass. He's like a yeah. badass at ath- athletics and all that. Has his own like Biff McTannon. At school. Has his own, and I can say this because I was a kid at the time, super hot girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Because I was like 12. That, that Dude, she was my dream Dude, she's an animated character. You can say that. It's fine. <laughs> she wasn't prepubescent. It, no one will judge you. Um, I don't know. I think people will judge me for saying how hot an animated character is who's in high school. But, like, it ends up, regardless of, like, how we deeply want to get into this. So he and takes over the persona reluctantly as you would expect Bruce Wayne is like fine I can't be Batman anymore and there is a call for Batman again and over the three seasons that exist two of which are like 13 episodes and one of which the middle one is like 22 episodes which is weird um, he encounters which I was actually kind of excited about mainly villains not based on original Batman it's a bunch of the villains they they lean really hard into um, biotech modified people in this show. Yeah, uh, it's, a well sci- it's a sci-it's a sci-fi show. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very sci-fi. Uh, but even the bat suit is a very different thing. One of the complaints I had always heard about the show that I will agree, like I don't think it's necessarily something to complain about, but I understand where they're coming from. Is it feels more like a Spider-Man show than a Batman show. Really? Because Terry McGinnis is kind of more... He's super excited to be is Batman. Is it just because he doesn't have a cape? No, he's super excited to be uh, to be Batman. He uh, tells jokes. He's talkative. He's like... His character is much more Spider-Man-y than Batman-y. And I get it. But it would be a little weird if the new character is just as grim, dark as Batman. Yeah, no. It, and it sets up a dynamic between him and... And Kevin Conroy that makes it fun to watch. He, he, he needs to be that way because it's to play off of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Like, my, honestly, my only issue with the show, and granted, I haven't seen this since I was, it aired, um, was that it didn't really end. It, it it stopped before it was able to complete its arc. And they had actually built up a narrative that was running through it involving a the person who was running Wayne Enterprises at the time. He becomes what would have been the series big bad but it never really gets completed and the show ended up being finished i put that in quotes in a justice league unlimited episode like like where they 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 jump into the future and he's oh that i did not know yeah yeah there's a random episode where they they look into the future and, and it's 
I want to say they're dealing with the aliens that they latch on to you for Superman and put you in a fantasy world. Oh, yeah. From, and the, like it's from got, the Alan Moore comic. Yeah, yeah. And it's got the whole Justice League, except Terry McGinnis is the one who's going, oh, shit, I got to fix this. So Terry McGinnis has on his own after the success of the series, which unfortunately only went three seasons because of DC's fuck up of going, oh, now we're going to try something different and we want to do this other thing and we don't want people focusing on this highly successful and watched show because we want people to focus on what the next thing is, which even they've acknowledged was a huge mistake. I don't mistake. even remember what it was. was uh, it I don't Zeta? remember what it was either. It was, it was Zeta, wasn't I don't, it? Um, I want to say it was Static Shock. I can't uh, remember. That's okay. But it was still like that whole like, oh, we uh, stop focusing on this. Look at this now because they thought people could only look God, at that thing. That keeps happening. Marvel's doing I that know. a lot. It's always a bad idea. But uh, there are 52 original episodes here. This also includes the the movie that I believe got a brief theatrical release, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Very small. Uh, which is slightly upgraded animation, of course. Like, as you might expect, there are scenes in it. You're, you're like, they clearly spent more money on that scene. But overall, it looks the same. With Mark Hamill returning as the Joker. But is he the Joker? Uh, that's a pretty solid... <laughs> Entertaining watch. Honestly, I sat down with this going, I only watched an episode here or there. I'll see how it goes. I ended up spending all day watching the entire first season going like, I okay, one more episode, one Although, more episode. One thing it's I so want, good. I want to throw out there, this may just be, <coughs> I don't, I think it fits, but I don't actually like the opening theme song. Yeah. It's so new metal, uh, in you metal, that it makes you, makes me roll my eyes and it, it Took me a while to get past that and be like, "No, this is actually a good show." Well, no, it's funny because like a lot of the the takes to make this new because this is darker than the original show. Yes, it's like definitely a little more extreme, a little more adult, and including like trying to set that whole like the the action scenes are always set to something that feels a little more like new with an umlaut metal. Yeah, it's you very know. shway. Yeah, it's very shway. <laughs> uh, but I forgot it was like a oh god, uh, Darwin Cook. Who designed the opening titles, though? Really? Yeah. What? I know. But anyway, so uh, only 41 of the 52 original episodes have been fully remastered from a 35 millimeter film source because of age or loss of the original negatives. The 11 non-remastered episodes here are given something I think they're called super resed. Um, you can, it's, they've been upscaled. They've, they've, been, upscaled. they've been upscaled. They, you can tell immediately when <coughs> you're getting one of those episodes, but it doesn't look shitty at all. You can just tell it's slightly less like well, I mean, pristine. Unfortunately, the animation wasn't as good in this as it was in like the, the Batman adventures, Batman, the animated series. Right. So like it, it feels a little rougher. But that's it's, just because they were trying to save money. You know, it's, it's just not as many frames It's second. still pretty great, though. Yeah. It still looks great. So this is a six-disc set that comes with an awesome fucking, like, uh, slip cover that, that slides over it that has, like, sort of a, a holog- not holographic, a, a lenticular, like, images on it. It's just beautiful looking. I'm holding it now. It's pretty. Um, the deluxe limited edition, which I highly recommend, comes with a exclusive, only released with a set, Chrome Batman Beyond Funko Pop, which I'm so fucking happy to have. I can't even tell you. And then four, like, very sizable lenticular collector cards with original animation artwork. The extras here 
or all the extras first for the multiple discs uh, of the set that came with the uh, the original DVD set. Uh, uh, I believe upscaled, but there is a brand new disc of new features here. Uh, disc five, as it were. Nostalgic Tomorrow, Batman Gathering for almost an hour, which is a roundtable sit-around retrospective with Bruce Timm, Kevin Conroy, Will Friedel, James Tucker, Glenn Murakami, Andrea Romano. What a hero that lady is. Holy shit. She was like the casting director for like uh, all of these original shows. Bob Goodman and Stan Berkowitz. Uh, Night Immortal for 34, 35 minutes. A new look back at 80 years of Batman featuring narration by many well-known people, figures in the realm of that. Tomorrow night, Batman Reborn. Ten and a half minutes, a look at the relationship between Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis. Gotham, City of the Future. Five and a half minutes, a look at the new design for Gotham City. The high-tech hero for uh, six minutes, a look at the evolution of Batman's technology. And Secret Origin, the story of DC Comics, which is a feature-length documentary, which has, of course, been released before, looking at the origins of DC and the rise of superhero mythology. Then, like I said, disc six is Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which is largely just an upscaled version of, of the previous release of this. But it's gorgeous it's really well put together like it's one of those things that's just attractive on your shelf and that's why i'm gonna insist this is pick of the week because it's nice no 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 it's that's valid and I, I, I was sitting here thinking this is the only piece of the entire bruce tim universe that i kind of wish dc or warner brothers whoever would remake like, like like go back in and like do a continuation of oh. two or three seasons no. everything else i'm like justice league unlimited you were good you were the best but you know what I, i'm okay with you well and because we Superman know that that's part of the pre-existing universe we've yeah. gotten so many stories from but the good news is of the there have been multiple like small series of batman beyond in the comics over the years but recently it's really been taking off and now they've got a new series that they just announced where Terry McGinnis is missing and I guess they go he's the amnesiac himself and the a mysterious female character sneaks into the Batcave and takes over the suit and becomes the new Batman Beyond. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, awesome. Let's yeah. hear more. Let's develop that into a new series, please. I'd be down for that. Our last film is another DC animated thing, which is one of their yeah. DC animated universe, which is Wonder Woman. Woman. Did I say that right? Wonder Woman. 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 Bloodlines. They sound like Al Pacino. Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I know. All right. That's what everyone always says. Uh, uh, I sound a lot like Al Pacino. Um, all right. So this is more than a decade after animated, the DC animated universe, uh, Wonder Woman, Wait, 2009. Really? Is it more than, okay. That makes me feel a little bit better. That was the fourth entry DC put out in their animated original films when they started that. Two years after the live action film. God, has it really been two years? Yes. That? Holy shit. Uh, this is an 83-minute, well-animated adventure that is another, let's start from the beginning. So I, I actually like this one. And, and I will admit, going into this, I was... Tell the story. I was very, not upset, but very just like, of course you are, with the fact that they're re-going over Wonder Woman's origin. Because this is, 
while we've only we've had less interpretations of her character, they always do the origin, and I'm kind of of a point where unless you're a B or C level superhero, I don't want to see your origin anymore. Yeah, I don't want to see any popular characters. How many times do we have to watch the fucking pearls hit the ground? So, so that's there. So I was upset going into this. Um, However, they managed to kind of justify it. So what the movie is, is yes, it does cover the origin of Wonder Woman. And that's like the first 10 minutes of the movie. And then it very quickly moves into being really about Wonder Woman, um, trying to integrate into society over here. Uh, she's friends with Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers. Okay, yeah. good. I got the right name. I can tell you're not um, on my age group because we all grew <laughs> up watching the late live action series. We're like, go Steve. Yeah. So she's staying with a family who, a, a mother who's a therapist who's studying people with special abilities and a daughter who is a rebellious teenager. Yeah. And so the show it kind of jumps through time, showing her in the beginning, showing her meeting them and building her relationship with them and watching how that affects them. How, uh, most notably, how the daughter, due to her complicated relationship with her mother, starts to become alienated from society. And before long, jumps to them as adults years later, Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman. It has been for a while from the DC series. This is that 15-minute mark. Right. And follows her initially just kind of being a superhero and then finding out that this family that she calls, kind of considers her own, is having issues to investigating uh, a death of one of her loved ones and also watching this teenager slowly start to alienate herself from the world completely to a point where she becomes a supervillain with the worst name ever, uh, which is Silver Swan. It's not the worst name ever. Are you? Like, I, I could it's not... It's not great. I could not take her seriously. Like, Look, she was an interesting villain with a cool backstory, and she was named fucking Silver Swan. Here's the thing. There's a lot of DC characters, villains especially, from the Wonder Woman... Just be clear. Okay. That everyone, no one criticizes me. Whoa, man. Okay. Universe. That nobody knows about. Because, unfortunately, this comic has had a lot of not terrific runs. Sure. Gail Simone did a great job on it. <coughs> but because of the nature of what we got. There was the B-52 run was pretty good. Yeah. But... Yeah. It's never been as iconic as Superman or Batman or whatever. That, despite the fact that, obviously... Diana Prince, I'm just going to say Diana Prince from now on, uh, is a great character. Yeah. Uh, but she has characters like Cheetah. I like Cheetah. Well, she's she's her Joker, for God's yeah, sakes. And you've got to back off for a minute and go, Cheetah is you're, her primary you right. villain? You're right. Like, I like Cheetah, but she she should not be yeah. the big villain. Uh, Dr. Poison is the main villain here. Uh, Giganta is in this. Silver Swan and existing cyber. I mean, it's like these are. I I don't want to say lame villains. They're just I don't know anything about. Well, them. Honestly, I I will say they're lame villains. But I, what this movie does right is it makes this a personal story for her, and that that semi justifies having to rewatch her origin again. But it 
it raises the stakes. And so even though this is ultimately a relatively small superhero movie for as these things go, it still, it plays because it really is about her relationship with this daughter, how her friendship with Steve. Yeah. And watching her try to try to pull her back from the brink. That was an interesting story. It, it, It ends up being a, a, Good movie. I actually enjoyed it, but one where I go, I really wish you had retooled this in a way that I didn't have to spend 15 minutes rewatching the origin of Wonder Woman. No, no, no. I agree with you. Um, I really like the second half better than the first half. Agreed. Because it gets away from the, I have no idea who the fuck these characters are, villains that ultimately are irrelevant in the story when it gets to the second half and gets into the mytho- mythological villains and buddies. Well, I, like it introduces uh, a Ferdinand, the Minotaur who is like kind of a running funny character in, <coughs> in, in Wonder Woman comic books. And they give him a good start up, and then why he becomes their buddy. And I was like, "That's awesome!" And then Medusa as the primary villain, oh, dude, who is Medusa badass, is awesome when she rolls out. Yeah, well, and it, that whole series of like, like Medusa, kaiju sized Medusa versus the the island of however you say it, Thermoscara. Thermoscara, like, is badass. Well, and it, it, it this movie does one thing I liked better than the Wonder Woman movie, even. And that is her relationship with her mother. Yes. At least, like, in the movie and in previous interpretations, yes, Wonder Woman went, fuck you guys, I'm going to go do my own thing. But it was always like, eh, okay, you be you. We'll see you next Thursday. And this movie, they're like, no, if you leave, it's that, that, that angry dad thing. If you walk out that door, don't you ever come back. And so she's banished from Themyscira. And that ends up playing pretty well into the emotional stakes of the last act where when she does come back to Themyscira and is fighting the Gorgon and is trying to rescue her friend, it's also about she's coming back home to a place that she doesn't recognize anymore, of course she's not really wanted anymore. I liked that idea. I wish they had incorporated that into the film. So I think we both largely like this. While it's not at the very top of the heap of the DC animated stuff, I think this is the best of the Wonder Woman stuff they've done yet, for sure. But the real pleasure comes in the bonus features here, where I was like, are you fucking kidding me? All right, so the last movie they did came with a uh, uh, fucking, like, what was it, Sergeant Rock or whatever thing, but him with Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula and stuff, like, killing Nazis. Are you talking about the Suicide Squad one, or are you talking about the the double-up pairing of Reign of Superman? Because that one one had a good documentary. No, 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 no. It was, uh, I can't remember what it was, one of the singular release ones, but... I think you're talking about Suicide Squad. We're talking about a DC DC showcase, where it's an exclusive short... That is made to go with that film that's not released in any other form where it was like, you know, this like World War Two thing, but a, a soldier who was teamed up with like analog and fighting for the other guys, Dracula, Wolfman, whatever, that yes. was like, this is confusing that this exists, but I'm kind of glad it does. This one <coughs> goes into something I never would have thought I would have seen. DC Showcase does... Neil Gaiman and Mike Dringenberg's death 
for I their didn't short. I watched this and didn't know it was there. It's, I've told you so many times to always watch the bonus features know, on I, on I the was, DC animated stuff. Busy. They Sorry. put they put the special stuff like this. It is the best fucking short they've done maybe since there's been shorts. It is their the Gaiman's death in a touching sweet but also dark story of a guy who is heading towards his death and her relationship towards him that's amazing and well worth I mean it's better than the movie quite frankly it's like 19 minutes of like why aren't you doing more of this in every release you put out fascinating Uh, you've also got uh, 11 minutes of a special on the cheetah which once again not totally sold on cheetah but it gives the whole history of her uh, and then sneak peek of uh, the next one, Superman Red Sun. I can't believe it took this long for them to do it, quite frankly. That's I don't want to see it, though. But, it, no, I, I hate when they do straight-up adaptations of stuff. Oh, I, it's not that. I just, I'm so tired of Superman and Batman. Yeah, but Red Sun's one of the best but Elseworlds. You're right. You, you, know? you are right. This is one that they should have put out in their original run. And then the, the bonus stuff is Batman Brave and the Bold, two episodes of that, because there's no Wonder Woman show to do things fine. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think overall, one of the more solid recent releases. I mean, it's certainly we both agreed that the death of Super, Rebirth of Superman is flawed. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's been kind of a mixed bag as of lately. Uh, them putting out Batman Hush was like, meh. I still haven't seen that it's one. It's not good. Oh, that's what the uh, the Sergeant Rocky. Oh, well, that's yeah. why. Okay. Yeah. That makes me feel it's better. It's not good. But honestly, this is almost worth buying just for the death. Like DC showcase, and, and like if you like Wonder Woman, I would back this. Like this is worthwhile. There you go. Well, we are done with this digital noise. We picked Batman Beyond for our picker week, or at least I did. He gave me a look. Yeah, I'm sure, Batman Beyond. Like I, I was telling you in advance, I wanted to make Galaxy Quest my pick of the week. Yeah, but, but the DVD is just so. It's like, just it's it's, it's, it's such a blatant it's a blatant cash in. Yeah, yeah, and this Batman Beyond is not. It's, it's a worthwhile. solid yeah. re-release. So we're going with that. Uh, Thank you, Aaron, for joining me. And My pleasure. I would presume that the next show is with uh, John Golson, but I don't know because I haven't. Like, it's been one of those things that it just sort of balloons up that I see Aaron more because he's here for a show, and then I have a stack. I'm like, well, why don't you just take this? Down? I, don't know. I, I I might have to to recover a bit. I, I've just watch a lot of stuff lately. well you gotta watch the, I, one of my things I'm excited for him to see is the Arrow Ringu or which to be fair that title is completely inaccurate the Japanese have never called that series which, Ringu I, which never... is one thing I learned by watching this box set that was an American re-release make it sound more Japanese huh. title uh, it's always been Ring set of those films with a huge amount of history about the history of J-Horror I can't wait to talk about that. I, I've only ever seen the first, so this well, be good. you're you're about to get in line for a bunch of fucking long, ooh, ooh. like black hair over Japanese teenage girl faces killing people. J horror. I mean, Yay. It's, it's no X day hair extensions, but we'll hey, as do. long as it's no cellular, I'm okay with it. <laughs>